Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast, presented by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis worldwide, right to your front door. And now here's your host for this podcast, Sarah Unke. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. This is Sarah Unke, and I'm here with Peter Bodo and Steve Tigner. I think everyone knows who we'll be talking about today. What did you guys think about the longest tennis match ever? Yeah, I, don't I don't know. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was long. It was, uh, what did you think of it to watch? It was, it, was, it was hard to watch point by point because you just knew it was going to go on. You just had this feeling like it was going on forever. But, but it was still exciting game by game. You know, as it, as it built up, it was, still, it was still sort of it was still exciting even though the points were short. But they were, the quality of play was high, I thought, throughout. Yeah, one of the things that goes unnoticed in this match, I think, is that the quality of play, not just from Mahoop, but from John Isner, about whom there were a lot of questions coming into Wimbledon. It was a question of whether he's going to be able to handle that ball. You know, his strike zone is up higher than a lot of people. That really helped him a lot on the clay. Now he's going to Wimbledon where the bounce is lower. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a question, will he be able to dig out those backhands? Does he move well enough? Because, you, know, you know, he's not the greatest mover on a tour, mm-hmm. let's face it. But will he move well enough to, to make that quick move either way and, and dig out a ball that's, that's a little lower? And frankly, I was very impressed by when he did get in trouble, the few times he did when he wasn't able to serve his way out of it. He actually came up, you know, the last shot of the match, the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the match The last ball, two you shots. Know? The last two shots were great passing shots. I thought he was – I watched some of it again last night, and I uh, – after in a replay on the tennis channel, I was amazed at how just when you thought he was he looked like he was about to fall over, he would come up with some incredible forehand from deep in the court all the way to the other corner of the court for a winner so it wasn 't just his serve that was that was, i mean it was mostly his serve he had one hundred and twelve aces but it, it wasn 't just that he he was doing a lot more out there. I guess right from the beginning of the fifth set though i I had a feeling that this could last a long time because neither guy was even close to the other guy. Uh, close to breaking the other guy. They, you know, sort of a combination of Mahut has a good serve and a good grass court game. Isner obviously has the big serve, but n- both of them are fairly mediocre on returns. Mahut has a one-handed backhand, which hurts him. And Isner really, he doesn't move really well on the return. He's good when he gets into a point. But so you did have this feeling like, like it, it could last a while. Yeah, it's funny. Steve joked to me that in the morning that he thought the match could be suspended due to light again, and he turned out to be right. Yeah, but nobody, nobody was even, even getting a, a sniff of a break for about 50 games. <laughs> no, that's for sure. You know, I must say, I must have a perverse streak because, you know, I, I, I love this stuff. You know, a lot of people are going to walk away from it saying, well, it was a great event. It was a great historic moment. It's excellent for tennis. But boy, you know, I wish they played a tiebreaker. That's going to be, you know, one of the takeaways. After all, the, this great glow of having experienced this historic thing will happen. But, but you know, I love this stuff. And one of the reasons today was a great example of why Dennis, grass court tennis can be so great. You know, in grass court tennis, if you serve big enough and, you know, you could really and, and, and have a good enough game to back it up, you can be absolutely in control of your own destiny more so than on any other surface. Let's face it, on a clay court, you know, the other guy's going to get a look at a ball. The other guy's going to get his racket on. It doesn't matter how well you execute. You know, he's, he's going to stick back a couple of returns and things like that. But it seems to me that in grass court tennis, you can just step up. If you, if you know you execute at a, at a reasonably, at a really high level, you know, uh, you know the other guy's just not going to be able to get to you. Yeah, it's also it was sort of an example of modern game in the, in the old format with no tiebreaker where you had to be broken to, to lose the match, yet these guys had these, these serves and shots that the guys who used to play without tiebreakers didn't have. So they, they, you know, they sort of, it was like two guys who were unbeatable 
once they took the ball going up against each other. All right, million-dollar question, Sarah. Do you think they should go to the tiebreaker or not? I do. I think that, you know, I think it was a great event, but at the same time, like, I wonder what Isner and Mahut would say, Mahu would say, I haven't heard what they've said. If anybody's asked them whether they wish they'd played a tiebreaker. I haven't looked at the press conference yet, and I, I have a feeling both of them say, well, gee, I don't know. You know it's, they're going to be torn, though, because yeah. they have written themselves into yeah, the history book big time now, and that's something nobody's ever going to take away. I, which, I don't think either of them would give that up. No, that, exactly. That up. But I like him playing out. I, I like playing out ad sets at Wimbledon. I think this was a good demo. Things like this can happen in tennis. You know, in the French Open, they know it too. You know, yeah. they're, mm-hmm. they're sticking. They're sticking with the old program too. I and like the I like the U.S. Open's tiebreaker, but I also like having this. I mean, I can. They both have their have their positives. I like when the U.S. Open goes to a final set tiebreaker because that in itself is exciting. But this is there is something special about this because it's only the slams who do this. Shop Tennis Express for the best selection of top brands with expert service at fair prices. The Tennis Express team is available to help you find the right tennis gear. Shop Tennis Express and find out why their customers call them a candy store for tennis players. Call 1-800-833-6615 or log on to www.tennisexpress.com today. Let's look a little bit at the women's game. Serena obviously rolled through another opponent today. What do you think Maria's chances are in the fourth round if they meet up? Well, sure. Maria's playing well, but Serena seems to be playing even better. I mean, going on recent history, you have to pick Serena. She really, I think she likes to beat Maria. I think she still remembers losing to her in that Wimbledon final, one of the very few times she's lost in a Grand Slam final, and really few that she's lost to somebody other than her sister in a Grand Slam final. So... I think if they play, you have to take. I think you have to take Serena so far. Well, it's funny. This underscores, you know, this this underscores, you know, the way that you know th- this match between uh, Mahut and Nisner has has really overshadowed everything else. I mean, uh, you know, I haven't even looked at the women's draw. I mean, uh, you know, you see you see so and so and oh yeah, Venus won again, etc. So you know, this is you know, it's almost like Wimbledon was frozen in time over three days because of these these two guys who play this match, and now it's back. But I mean, I think Steve's right. You know, Sharapova's game. You know, she. You know, I, I just think you know, you know, Serena may not be the greatest mover, but she can get to balls and she can make shots. You never thought she would. Sharapova doesn't have that capacity. You know, she uh, she she's a little bit stiffer. She doesn't she, she doesn't move as as well. And she you know she has that serve has been shaky early through the year. Uh, I haven't looked at her stats for this this tournament. Now, if she suddenly got the serve and she like, flick on a switch and she's hitting that ball well, she's going to have a chance. But I'm I'm a little bit concerned uh, that if she gets into a real tight spot against a real quality player who can really hit that return right back down her throat, she might have a little bit of trouble. Yeah, for sure. I like I like the way Serena looked. I like the way Venus looked today. She beat Makarova, who just won a uh, tournament at Eastbourne. And I didn't really like the way Justine Justine Hennon looked in her match. Um, she was struggling a little bit against a sort of routine opponent. She was, I thought she was pressing and missing a lot of shots. She plays Petrova on Friday, which that, that could be a good match. Yeah, Petrova's been, you know, sort of chomping at the bit to win a big one. She's had a couple of really close calls. You could look at it either way. You could say that, well, she's choked away her chances, so there's no way she's going to go in against a competitor, you know, like a Justine who's going to, you know, you can count on her, especially against women who are ranked below her. You can count on her to, to be in charge and take control. Or on the other hand, has she just, you know, had a little bit of bad luck, you know, with her injury at the French Open. She and Dementieva both, you know, had, had some medical treatment. Petrova got off to a great start in that match, ended up losing it. But she's, you know, she's come close so many times. You know, it's just a matter of how she's going to react and under a lot of pressure when, when it's big points. 
And what are your thoughts on Federer and Nadal? Both of them have had five setters already this Wimbledon. Yeah, I thought I thought Federer has looked not quite as good. He didn't he didn't look great in the first match. Faya played well, and this, the guy he played yesterday, the Serbian guy, was a very odd opponent. It was I could see where he would give he would give Federer trouble. He has two two handed strokes, and he he liked to hit his backhand more than his forehand. Very very aggressive and sort of unpredictable. Didn't give Federer any rhythm, but Federer looked a little better in that one. Today, Nadal, I didn't think Nadal played poorly. Robin Hase came out and just played, Just I think he was watching Isner and Mahut because he just came out belting balls. He had two four-ace games. The match was a really fast five-setter with a lot of, a lot of really good points. And I think Nadal, so, Nadal actually had to raise his game to win this match. Hase came down a little bit, but Nadal, I think, he sort of willed himself to play better, you know, to just to play better in the last two sets. I think this match does wonders for Nadal. I mean, I think Nadal walks off the court after this match feeling very, yeah, very good about his chances. A lot of energy in that match. You know, you, you get in with a guy who's hitting the ball well. It doesn't matter what the ranking is. Doesn't doesn't matter if it's a famous guy or not. You know, the players know. Play, you know, Nadal goes in there against a guy who who on a given day he knows that you know he's. He's not thinking this really, but he could be thinking, hey, if this guy had Federer in the first round, Roger would be out of here. My path would be easier. But, you know, I think to, to walk away from a match like that, having won, you know, you got you to gotta believe he's thinking his grass court game is in good order. He's got to be, you know, mentally sharp because, you know, he hung in there really well. So I, I think it was a, it was a big gain. I, I think it was almost worth... It was almost worth playing the five for him and winning that one than it would have been, say, to win that in, in, in straight sets. Yeah, that was, you know, they say, it's a cliche to say it's a wake-up call, but he did seem like in the middle of that match that that's exactly what happened with him. The other, the other person I, I watched today, the other man, male player I watched today was Murray, who seemed, who seemed, once he got over his nerves at the beginning, played well. And what was interesting to me is, his, is the big problem for him, I think, has been his forehand. He hasn't had a... He doesn't have a forehand that, that can match somebody like Federer's or Nadal's, but he was he was hitting it that way today. If he can keep hitting it that way, I think I think he has a you know he has a chance. Well, it'd be nice to see Murray step up, you know, because I mean, and you, you got to sympathize with it. You got to be pulling for Murray to do well at Wimbledon because you know, a guy's going to get trashed so badly if he doesn't. You know, the British are dying to have a champion, and he's kind of followed in Henman's footsteps so far. I think in that now, I've always felt Henman was, if anything, an overachiever at Wimbledon. Um, you know, he, he really blew one opportunity of the year. Goran won it when, when maybe he could have won the whole thing. But I think basically he acquitted himself very well given the enormous amount of pressure and attention that's visited upon him at that tournament. And I think Murray's been following in those footsteps. You know, he, he, you know I think this, this year you really look to him saying, gosh, you know, this is potentially a first-round disaster waiting to happen. But he's gotten through that. And, I, you know, I, I give him a lot of credit for that, and I, and I hope he can keep building on that. He's got a good draw. The one guy I see in his quarter as a, as a potential, uh, potentially somebody who could, who could upset him is Sam Querrey. He's, he's playing well, and he's, he's winning. He just won a tight match. Uh, he, you know, he, he isn't just blowing people out. He's winning. He seems to be winning the crucial points at this point. So he, I think he and he and Murray, if they play, would that, that could be a good match. Well, then you know he's watching. You know Sam's watching John and saying, "Look, John's John's getting an awards presentation after the first round match at Wimbledon. Hey, what's you know? I, I, yeah, right. I better what step I it up here and <laughs> I got I got a one upmanship him." Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Pete. Thanks, Steve. And this is Sarah Unki. Thank you for joining us on hey, Tennis. Hey, it's nice to have a woman's voice at yeah, Tennis.com yeah, really once in a while, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to the Tennis.com podcast, presented by Tennis Express, the tennis industry's retailer of the year. For more news and information, head over to Tennis.com. Thanks for listening.